0: So let's go deep, you ready? Let us vacate that space that we occupy with our opinions and with our personality and with the thinking. And so if you will, if you're ready to, if you want to, close your eyes. And I invite you to take at least three deep, refreshing breaths, breathing from your abdomen, And releasing, if you want to, just even sound that says, yes, I'm letting go. And do that and feel yourself get connected. There is a An idea that was presented by Raymond Charles Barker, one of our greatest teachers, in a book that he wrote, that says, you are a point in consciousness. And so if you want to experience that right now, there's a simple thing that you can do. And that is to allow your body to get very still, to resist all temptation, to move, To alter, to adjust, and every time you feel that impulse, you choose first, you choose to remain still. And if you stay in this place long enough, if you stay in this place long enough, what will happen? That you will begin to lose the difference between your body and the chair that you're sitting upon. Even though your feet are touching the floor, you'll begin to lose the difference between your feet and the floor, the more still that you stay. And if you maintain The stillness long enough, you will lose all your edges and in losing the edges you're losing and letting go, loosing as they say, your identity of the self in the human form and the local form. And then, if you stay still enough, long enough, you will begin to experience yourself as that point in consciousness, pure consciousness. Now, the beauty of this state is it brings you to neutral. It brings you to non-judgment and then in that moment and it could be just a nanosecond in time, you get to choose who you want to be, how you want to be because you've created enough space between your identity in your full birthright. So I'm going to let you go silent for a minute. And in this place, let yourself hear the sweet whisperings of spirit that is constantly calling you forth calling for your highest expression, your most beautiful, your most fearless. Listen to the whisperings. So right now here in this place I open to the not yet expressed of me, to the fullness of me, to the non-local of me, that which exists everywhere. I go deep into the, the belly of the core of my being, I go into that place that has never been hurt, harmed or injured in any way and I remember. For just a moment I, I touch that place at the core and I remember, I remember who I am. I recall the the beauty and the innocence of the being that I was as I incarnated into this body temple. I recall the perfection, the flow, the ease, the grace. And I look and I say, ah, there I am. There is my I AM and what I know is that wherever my I AM is, transformation happens. So I allow this I AM to be that which inspires me. The I AM of the Christ Consciousness, the Buddha Consciousness. The I am that guides and governs and informs me always when I am listening. So on this day I choose to listen. And I call it holy. And I call it beautiful. But mostly, I call it me. With abundant gratitude for this moment in time. I surrender this word into love, into law, and into the awe of life. And so it is. So if you will now, take a couple of breaths from your upper chest and bring some life and vitality back into your body, ready to enter the room and be in full celebration of yourself. I want to just tell you that it's an incredible compliment to any community that survives the loss of their beloved leader. It's a compliment to you. It's a compliment to the board. It's a compliment to the ministerial staff because so often these, these works are built on the personalities of the individual and it's so important that it not be like it is but it's good for it not to be. And so the fact that you have, and and I spoke here 12 years ago, before, I don't even recognize most of you, um, four months in a row, because at that point you were in a search. And, um, you know, so you've survived. You've survived the change and the transformation now numerous times. That is you. See, we're replaceable. We are, And, and if we do our job well, we're really replaceable because that's the important thing. It's important that the community has the strength. So thank you for having me, and I commend you for doing the job, for staying in consciousness, and for being spirit-led as your board member, wherever she went, um, as she mentioned, yes. You know, spirit-led is is, is definitely um, definitely the way to go. So I know I have a kind of a funny title today, and, you know, couple of people, and I know Jim a little crazy, because like, what the heck am I going to sing with that? And what is the title of my song? (laughs) Uh, This equals that, okay? And so this equals that. I am a pragmatic science of mind teacher. I am, to the best of my ability, selfish in a way that is also serving, but I'm selfish in that. I do not want to waste my time, my energy, my study, anything, if what I'm studying is not going to make me happier. I I just, uh, mm. (laughs) My ex-husband, back, you know, back in the day, many years ago, he used to read, um, he used to read all the uh, Jane Roberts books, the Seth Speaks, some of you know about that, right? And so what happened was he would read it to me, I'm like, what? Not, not even close to ready. I don't know that he was ready. He just thought it was cool. And then he'd be reading all the Carlos, Carlos Castaneda books. Now, that was cool. However, I still didn't get it. I wasn't ready. It was going in, but I wasn't ready. And I'm like, I don't want anything. That's not going to help me. And I was in a teaching that was wonderful. However, it was so analytical, I thought, I'm going to be dead before I'm happy. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Because... I'm not a big process girl, I like simple. I love simple. As soon as you show me a process that's got too many steps, I am out of there. So everything I do, if anything, I use too few words very often, which can lead people wondering, you know, what I actually meant. But so I'm, I'm getting better at that. So this equals that is a, simple, is a sample, an example of how I can reduce things down to a tiny formula. But as you know, whether it's, whether it's a mathematical equation, whether it's a chemical formula, that the, the, you add two things together and you get a result, right? So But you change one part of that equation and you get a different result. Very simple. This equals that speaks to, and I actually... I wanna do this for you. I'm gonna bring it just a little bit closer. I don't know who's in charge of that, but someone said that maybe this could be shut off. Okay. This equals that. Now, this is very, this is gonna be a, not dark, you're not gonna see this, so maybe I'm not gonna bother with this, because this is dry. Don't worry, no worries. Ah, there you go. I'm supposed to press B, but there's no B to press. Okay. Right, you know these statements. As above. So. As within. So. Okay. As in heaven, so on. Okay. This, this equals that is very simply that. How do you know what you believe? How do you know? You see it. You look at the fruit of your tree. Now that's very good news, and it's very not good news, depending on where you are. If your life is looking not real pretty, it's really bad news. Because then you come into a center like this, and then you're told it's your consciousness. However, if you're unaware of how you can affect that sequence of cause and effect, it could be a little disarming, and really, it could bring up all your anger issues, right? I mean, I'm sure at some point, you you just were tired of people telling you that you were responsible. So the important thing of the equation, this equals that, because then there's, there's cause, there's effect, and form follows thought. What did y'all say? Huh? That's architectural. Form follows thought is the science of mind piece. I should have known what you were going to answer before I asked. You know all the others. The key, though is being willing to look, and I'm going to tell you the key right now. So you look and you think, okay, this is pretty good. This is The relationships are pretty good. And you look over here and you go, okay, I'm relatively healthy. I'm okay with my life the way it is. And then you look over here at your job, you go, oh, and all the stuff comes up. Now, here's the difference between whether you will be willing to continue to look at it or not, is whether you judge it and then whether you judge yourself. You will not continue to look willingly if you're going to take blame. It is critical that in our lives we create two or, or very specific distinction between taking blame or fault and accepting responsibility. Very important, you understand? Very important. The world works in the language of blame. The world works in the language of it's your fault. You did this and very often you did this to me. That world can do nothing but fester and like a parasite feed upon itself, creating more chaos. So the sooner we get out of blame, shame, critical the critical, blame, the critical way of looking at something, and the sooner we get to I am responsible, and I'll talk more about that, the sooner we can be willing, we will be willing to accept that we are the co-creator of our lives. And this whole teaching is about being the co-creator of our lives. To the degree that any one of us accepts responsibility, am I going to get feedback if I go up here? (laughs) OK. No, I'm sorry to do that during meditation. I didn't know my, try, it's OK. I didn't know what my parameters were. OK. Oh, good, thank you. That's good, thanks. (laughs) I didn't want to do that to your ears. (laughs) To the degree that you are willing to accept responsibility, to that degree you inherit your personal power. Yes? Yes? Do you understand? To the degree that you accept responsibility, to that degree and more, you accept, gather, and increase your personal power. Your personal power for change and transformation is dependent upon you saying, I did this, you can't get to the place of co-creation where you see the, the ministers and the practitioners function and those who are having an easy way with life. You can't get there without saying, I'm responsible. Are you with me yet? You understand that point? It's critical. Now, the only way you can be willing to accept responsibility is if you're kind to yourself, you have to be kind. You have to be kind, you have to cultivate kindness when you look in the mirror. You have to look and cultivate kindness when you, when you look at what you've done. Sayings come out of real things. Saying it's lonely at the top, things like that, the buck stops here. They don't come out of nowhere, they're very real. And as a minister and as the spiritual director of my center, I know exactly where the buck stops. And it's not always fun. However, I've learned to become okay with the listening because I had to finally get to if I screw up, and I do, if I'm wrong, and I'm wrong, if I say something, well, I always say something off color, that's not good enough. But if I. <laughs> my home. I'm okay here. <laughs> and I didn't actually say anything. I just said that I said things. So, so if I say something that might offend you, I realize I, don't, I never do it because I want to. My heart is good. And I had to get in touch with the fact that my heart is good. I have a good heart. My intention is good. My intention is pure. My intention is do no harm. And I live under the banner of do no harm. In my world, I just want to leave the room better because I was in it. So I want to see you, and I want to see your heart. And, and I had to soften a lot of my jersey edges. I had to cast out, don't laugh. There's people here that know me. I had to get rid of my sarcasm, you know, because I just thought it was a way of communicating. But do you know where sarcasm comes from? It, it's the old term, it means tearing the flesh from the bones. And when someone told me that, I went, that's not who I want to be. So I had to take a look and realize that wow, when I do make a mistake, it's literally that. I was having a moment. And so when I cultivate self-forgiveness, I'm also willing then to show up differently. Do you ever screw up on purpose? Like, do you ever go out of your way to harm on purpose? Probably not. Now, can you say the same thing for those who say the same thing for those who have harmed you? Is there a hesitation I feel in the room? See, sometimes we separate it out. We say, oh, but I didn't mean to. Well, neither did they. Whoever that was. The ex or exes. The parents, the family, the siblings, the, the children that you reared and you gave everything to and they left you. <laughs> They're not trying to hurt you. No one's trying to hurt you. No one's against you. But we forget. So we're, we, take, we, we a lot of us, we're good, we're in the center, we're in these classes and, and Reverend Lorna is so right. And we, and we say that every Sunday, this is just the fun. The classroom is where you grow. There's no one against us, ever. On that person whose picture and face is in your mind right now, you're saying, "Except." <laughs> Come on, who's had, who has an exception? <laughs> I promise you with all of my heart and soul that person even on their worst day was doing the best they could in their mind and people unless you and I and these communities like this really get to that we're just continuing to be part of the problem we just continue to be part of the the blame and the discord that is prevalent in so many places around you you understand I was at a, um, I was at a gathering the other night um, a whole different kind of event, just a whole different event, and um, I was working, doing something, and kind of eavesdropping at the same time you know I have the mama, the mama ears, you know, eyes in the back of my head. I hear everything, you know, when your kid's up in the bedroom and the door's closed, but you still, you like that? I do that at my center, you know, I mean, I just hear everything. So this, I wasn't at the center this time, and I was not in the role of the minister at the time, but I can never not be in that role. I, first and foremost, am a practitioner. I am always seeking the way to, to uplift through prayer treatment the lives of whoever's around me, even if it's just the way I carry my consciousness into the room. And so I'm listening to, I'm listening to the conversation. It was this young woman, 40-something, um, who was talking about she's just recently been diagnosed with Graves' disease. You might know more about that than I do. I, I, did, I did look it up a little bit. And so what happened was they're going to do something with her thyroid, but this was her language. They're going to kill my thyroid because if they don't kill it, it's going to kill me. And I went, and it just, it was such an affront to, to all that I know and all that I believe and all that I, I understand that's possible because what I know is that when we go first, we go quickly, we go immediately to prayer treatment, we can interrupt anything, anything. If you are not using your, if everyone here cannot name who your practitioner is, You get somebody that you call, this is my practitioner, and you use them and spend the damn money. Because if you don't do it on the forefront with your practitioner, you're gonna do it on the end with your doctors and your medication. Okay, you get that? So be proactive and use them for, for what, I mean, they work hard to become a, a, a being of carrying consciousness. So I'm listening to this conversation, and she kept saying this, then she was going on the description, oh, this is what's going to happen, and this is what's going to happen. And, and then other people were chiming in with other illnesses and stuff, I was like, oh, my God, my head started to swim, and I couldn't stand it anymore. And you know how we're not supposed to write, we're not supposed to offer prayer to people. We're supposed to sit back. <laughs> couldn't do it. Couldn't do it And now I didn't want to charge her But in the midst of one of the Because we said earlier I, I, I was talking to her She was telling me a little bit I said, do you know what I do for a living? She said, well a little bit And I told her, I said I'd like to work with you So we agreed that after this event was over We'd go upstairs But here she is in the middle of the party And she's gathering agreement That's the problem. Don't tell your tale to anyone but your practitioner, because people will collaborate with your less than. People will collaborate with your less than. You got that? Tell it only to the right person. So she's in the middle of this activity, and all these people are around, and there was... um, American, Italian-American community and everybody was related to everybody. It was a really sweet gathering. They all loved each other very much, but she's in all this and I couldn't help it. I'm sitting in my chair and I turn and I look at her and I put my hand on her I said, what if it wasn't true? What if what you believed wasn't true? What if the doctors were wrong? What if you could remember that they... No offense to any doctors or medical people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if that we knew that the doctors could only diagnose you within their, their their thinking, within their education? And so we blessed that and we thanked that, but what if that wasn't true? And she looked at me, and for that moment I could see, oh, mm-hmm. what if? And then after the gathering, the event was done. We did go upstairs, and I just looked at it. I said, I don't know what you believe. I said, but if you could believe what I believe, we could interrupt this. We could actually interrupt what's happening. And so we'll be praying again tomorrow before she goes to the doctors, and she has this test done with her thyroid. For her for a beginner, for an unknown person, looking at some, looking at the that in the equation, looking at the effect and expecting them to get the cause is, is almost cruel. Because when you're far, that far down the ro- road and you don't have these skills and these tools, that's, that's just kind of cold. You have to be careful. I've heard of I have heard stories of people going, you know, when someone will be on their deathbed, you know, with cancer, and then someone wants to go in and talk to them about positive thinking. Yeah, that's just, it's it's can a miracle happen? Yes, if there's a breath in your body and a thought in your mind, a miracle can happen. And I don't mean a miracle as an unexplainable. I mean as a scientific, repeatable possibility. But you have to believe that there's a possible repeatable, miraculous, new outcome that can happen. So for me to say to her, let's look at how you caused this. Let's look at what you were thinking. And that moment would have been cruel. So at that moment, I was just seeking to interrupt the pattern of her belief and then do treatment. That was all I was doing at that moment. But for you, for me, if you've been coming here, if this is what you already lean into, our job is to look, and now here's the key, to look without judging. We look at the fruit, and if anything, and if you have you ever studied Emma Curtis Hopkins out here? Love Emma. Love Emma. If you have never taken an Emma course when they finally teach it again, Teach, study Emma. Study it now. She's just that powerful. So you look and you could say, Wow, my life really does stink. <laughs> or you could just say, Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for who I am. Thank you for who I am not. Thank you for my skills. Thank you for my lack of skills. Thank you for the money I have. Thank you for the money I don't have. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God, praise good, praise love, praise that annoying neighbor. And I, I'm not trying to be funny, but this is what we live with. This is, the, this is where the rubber meets the road. You know what you believe by the fruit of your labor, and you need to look around at the fruit that your tree is producing. But when you see it, it is not that moment that you turn around and, and beat yourself up If anything, we don't get to use this teaching as a measuring tool for how we are not enough. Because very often we use it to say, wow, I'm not enough, I didn't do it right. I gotta go, I gotta take more classes, I gotta move into consciousness. No, we go into, okay, I'm doing the best I can. Right now my best is here. I'm doing the best I can. I can love myself as I am and as, as I'm not. I want you to say that. I love myself as I am and as I am not, which is key. Because as much as I want to be, I will never be ten, blonde and 130 pounds. So I better love this. Or I'm looking at a life of misery. You got that? You love what is, and you love what is not. And that energy of love, it does things that you and I don't know how to do. When we we look at the that's in our life, when we look at the fruit, when we look at the effects, it is only through the eyes of love and acceptance and praising it, that we release the energy that's stuck in it that creates the possibility for change and transformation. You with me? I'm going to say that again because I really want you to get that. So we turn, we look at the fruit, some of the fruit we like. Some of the fruit's ripe and juicy and beautiful, right? Some of the fruit's been rotten a bit. But when we look at it, we still say, this is good, and this is very good. Now, that sound, does, does that sound contradictory to some of you? Would you get so? I'm, OK, if it does sound contradictory. So if it sounds contradictory, it's because you haven't yet fully embraced the idea that all that is good exists somewhere. We don't ever create our good. We allow our good. Because the good that we have and the good that comes, comes from somewhere. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how to heal my body. Do you know how to heal your body? Not by thinking. You will never think your way to health. But in the state of surrender, we allow the good that, that is to come and to be gifted to us. When we, when we are healing a, a relationship that's struggling... We have to surrender into the unknown and allow love to kind of go into the nooks and crannies and fill the spaces. Do you understand? You have to be willing to not know. You have... What, what did somebody call that? I, I can't remember. I can't remember. It was a term somebody... It was a brilliant term. I can't remember it right now. But you have to be willing to not know. And sometimes we confuse, and I'll say generally right now, because I don't know what you know, having been here now with you about 20 minutes, 15 minutes. The, sometimes we misunderstand the nature and the value of surrender. Some of us still have surrender as a sense of loss. I'm here to testify that surrender has nothing to do with loss. Surrender has to give has to give had to do with, excuse me, giving over to a possibility that I can't yet see. So I surrender to the presence and the power of the one that guides, lifts, and informs my being. I surrender to the highest possibility. I surrender to love. And in that surrendering, there is that state. It's like the, the, the uh, um, caterpillar that goes into the um, chrysalis. And in that state, can if you imagine if you could actually think as that caterpillar, what they'd be thinking, what is going on? Right? What's happening here? But what's happening is they are becoming more of themselves. But you and I, sometimes when we're in that state of becoming, we think it's wrong. We, we, we call it uncomfortable. I have never reached for a high idea in my life that the, the you-know-what didn't hit the fan first. It's the shedding. It's the, you know, we, when we want to break open, you have to first be willing to break. And that which is breaking is your, your attachment. You know, so, some of us like Klingons. We cling on to the way it is. We cling on to the way it was. And I love that story that comes out of The, the Reluctant Messiah. You know The Reluctant Messiah with uh, Richard Bach? Beautiful book. And he, t- he tells the story in the beginning of this book about this, um, this river and there was all these creatures that lived in the river and they lived by attaching themselves to the side and their whole life they were holding on like this totally stressed all the time always holding on and then one creature one time had an idea and he said what if i were to let go what happen oh no don't do that Oh no! The the river will take you. You'll be banged against the 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 rocks in the bottom of the river, and you'll be bloody and you'll be beat up. But he still said, "Well, what what would happen if I let go?" So he the the thought so compelled him he had to let go, and he did, and he let go, and you know what happened? The river beat him up <laughs> because that's what happens when we choose to transform, and he got. So the river beat him up, but then when it's done, it was done beating him up. He floated to the top and the river took him downstream. And all the rest of the creatures clinging on went, oh, the Messiah, and all he had to do was let go. To come from looking at our fruit, which is the effect to moving to being the tree of life, of producing the life we want, which is cause, we have to be willing to surrender. We have to be willing to not know. We have to be willing to forgive ourselves as we are. We have to be willing to love ourselves as we are and as we are not. And then you have to be willing to do that for the person who pisses you off the most. You will go nowhere unless you take that person with you. You will be limited by all your resentments. You will be limited by your judgments of those who have abused you. And I know, because I've lived through it to tell the tale. I am who I am, not despite what's happened to me. I am who I am because of what's happened. Because of what's happened, I've gotten to develop deep compassion, deep forgiveness, profound love for humankind because of what happened, you got that? Mm-hmm. I would never want to change the that in my life. I just want to change how I look at it, how I measure it, how I hold it in the light. Yes? Yes. yes. Does that make sense? Yes. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> Wait, I'm just looking, I'm just looking. Do we close with treatment? Do I close, close it with a treatment? You want. Oh, then I want to close with hold the hand of somebody. Let's just secure this. Let's anchor this thought, and go with me and, and for one quick moment. As you hold the hand of your beloved, you don't know them. They're still your beloved because there's only the one. There is the one love, the one idea, the one movement of mind and heart and soul. It is good and very good and I declare for each one right now that only love is surging through the hands that you're holding, the breath that you're beating, the breath that you're breathing, sorry, and the beating of your heart. Only love informs and designs your very being. Only love calls you forth and calls you out and it is good and very good. And I declare for each person here that you have the courage, the fearlessness to rise up out of what was to call all of life good and to drink of the beauty and the nectar of life as it unfolds before you with ease and grace. I surrender this moment with great, great love and appreciation. Please close with me by saying, And so it is. Thank you so much, Reverend Michelle. And it's it's time for us to just take the love that Reverend Michelle just told us about and have it infuse our thought for our prosperity time. If you can please stand with me. Okay. And you can read behind me or in the program. Okay. Everybody ready? I choose to celebrate prosperity. Divine love blesses my gift. It is my acceptance of God as the source of my abundant supply. With joy and gratitude, I share my abundance with this center. In doing so, I am one with the law of circulation. My tithe goes forth to heal, to prosper, and to bless. It returns to me multiplied abundantly, and I am prospered, and so it is.